Welcome to NSN Daily. He's Chris Murray. I'm Brian Samudio. Jenna Holland directing behind the scenes today. So uh, we know we're heading in the right direction. Chris, we can't screw this up. We, we will try our best not to. But uh, uh, we're going to kick around plenty of things today. Nevada uh, men's basketball with a win over William Jessup uh, on Monday night. One of those, hey, you want to play basketball sort of games in the middle of COVID. But uh, it was it was a good, uh, good finish for Nevada. And we'll uh, look forward to Grand Canyon, which is coming up on Friday. All right, move your head. The Bills won. The Bills won on. Yep, yep. They, Josh Allen, as we were talking about, man, Josh Allen looked good. I, let's get into that just for a second before we talk about it. you. You've had your, I don't want to say doubts, but reservations maybe a little bit about Josh Allen, but he looked sharp last night. Very minimum, he's fun to watch. And I think, you know, sports comes down to entertaining people. I know he got caught up in the wins and losses, but he is one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch because the arm strength is ridiculous. The athleticism is ridiculous. And when he's hitting, when he's firing on all cylinders, he looks like Brett Favre out there. Now, the Brett Favre, uh, who led the NFL in career interceptions as well sometimes. Um, but yeah, he, he played well against the 49ers. And, uh, you know, I think he at least gives hopes to Bills fans that if he does play his best, he could be a Super Bowl championship team. He also can, uh, you know, kind of end your season's hopes with some turnovers. So uh, we did get some good Josh Allen on Monday. So that was nice to see. Yeah, we'll get more in depth into that later on. Uh, we have Tuesday night football for you tonight. Only 2020 uh, Dallas Cowboys are at the Baltimore Ravens. You can catch that game over on our system station, Fox 11. We'll dive a little bit into that. And uh, there are some new sports that are going to be debuting in the Olympics of 2021, including breakdancing. Uh, we'll kind of get into that. And uh, I'm a traditionalist. Uh, and I'm, I, I, we'll get into that later. But all right, uh, let's get our first look at San Jose State here, Chris. Back-to-back -back weeks where Nevada will be facing a very talented quarterback. This may, he may be the best quarterback Nevada, Nevada faces all season outside of a bowl game. Yeah, Nick Starkle. So he began his career at Texas A&M, then he went to Arkansas. Actually, he played last year against San Jose State in Arkansas, and he threw five interceptions. Uh, San Jose State had the huge win, uh, the huge upset, and uh, Arkansas's coach was fired uh, shortly thereafter. But it was interesting that San Jose State saw enough good things in Nick Starkle that they still wanted to bring him over to their team. And he had huge uh, shoes to fill. Josh Love was the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year last year, the uh, starting quarterback for San Jose State. And he graduated, and uh, Nick has stepped in, and, uh, you know, he's done a really, really good job. He has some good wide receivers he's throwing to. They're running the ball a little bit better. I wouldn't say it's a great running team, but um, there is some balance there. The offensive line's allowed only five sacks this season, so that'll be a big challenge for Nevada's defensive front. Um, but it's a well-rounded team, even on defense. Defense, uh, you know, they don't give up run yards. They have a great run defense, uh, and they've done pretty well against the pass defense as well. So when you're trying to poke holes in San Jose State, there really isn't much to find where they're not good. Uh, now, they maybe haven't played the most difficult schedule, but they did win at Hawaii. They did beat uh, San Diego State, um, and they've won all of their games by double digits. So um, there's a lot to like about the Spartans, and there's a lot to like about Nevada, obviously, as well. So these are pretty evenly matched up teams They will be playing on a neutral site technically down in Las Vegas. So, um, you know, to me, it's just unfortunate that the winner isn't 100% into the Mountain West Championship game. We talked about the tiebreaker rules last week. Um, but this is a, uh, you know, very worthy uh, game uh, for the winner to move on to the Mountain West Championship. They're two really, really good teams. They've both been, uh, you know, close to ranked uh, this season, San Jose State knocking on the door. Uh, and the Spartans are one of only nine undefeated teams in the nation. So uh, whether you want to look at the schedule or not, there's not a lot of teams that have won all their games this year, and San Jose State fits that mold. How do you think San Jose State has gotten to this point in such a short amount of time? I mean, yeah, that's the thing, is that their defense is so overlooked. I mean, they're only giving up 17 points 
per game on defense. And granted, you're right. The schedule has not been, you know, a world killer or anything like that, but you play who's in front of you and who has been set out by your league to play. But how do you think they've gotten to this point so quickly? Uh, well, I think the biggest thing for season specifically is that they had a lot of continuity in the offseason. Uh, six of the 12 Mountain West teams made head coaching changes in the offseason and, uh, you know, trying to put together a scheme and trying to get your team ready for the season when there wasn't a lot of spring practice, there wasn't summer, summer practice, and for a lot of schools there wasn't even fall training camp um, was very, very difficult. But this was the only team in the Mountain West that returned its head coach, its offensive coordinator, and its defensive coordinator from last season. So I think that continuity was huge and it just takes time when you inherit a program that struggled. I mean, you could say the same thing about Jay Norvell. Um, you know, it took four years for Nevada to get to a championship level. And Brent Brennan was hired in that same cycle. This is his fourth year in San Jose State. So now he's got his players in place. He's gone through the, you know, trials and tribulations, the downsides. Uh, he's done a good job in uh, evaluating in terms of uh, scouting and recruiting. And then they've developed their players uh, into becoming better. I think the biggest thing this year is their defense is really good. Their defense was horrible the last three years. All Brent Brennan's uh, defenses, um, you know, they just didn't get the job done. I mean, it was easy to score 30 points on you. Look at last Last year, Malik Henry, uh, in his best start at Nevada, they hung 41 points on San Jose State. And that defense is so much better than it was last year. So, um, you know, the offense grew a little bit faster than the defense, but now they're kind of both at the same level. And um, that's when you want to see the jump is in year four, because you had usually the rebuilding year in year one. Uh, you get a little bit better in year two, maybe a bowl in year three. And San Jose State fell just short of a bowl last year. They went five and seven. And then hopefully you make that big jump up the uh, championship contention in year four if everything's going uh, on track. And both of these teams, that's been their ascension Nevada grew a little bit quicker but um, now they're both at the championship level and now they both have a chance to get to that championship game for the first time in their program's history uh, if they're able to win on Friday yeah I mean that's the thing too about San Jose State you brought it up earlier is this team had so many odds against them with COVID you know I mean they had to go to Humboldt State literally to practice just to go and practice and and the Bay Area has had such a tough time and so many metropolitan areas have of containing this and Santa Clara County shuts down again and you know now they got to play at Sam Boyd and you know they have the opportunity to claim a championship uh, Nevada needs a little help in that regard and you know they need some Boise State help but yeah it's, it's been impressive either way and when you do see this type of success happen it's sometimes it's just you see these guys that come in as freshmen and sophomores and they're your guys and by the time they're juniors and seniors something clicks physically mentally you know psychologically they understand the game better and the game slows down for them and that's what's happened at san jose state so this is going to be just gangbusters on uh, on friday night um speaking of someone who's learned the game very quickly one of the young players at nevada i mean he's being overshadowed by romeo dubs and, and cole turner at wide receiver is tory horton tory horton has been absolutely phenomenal coming off of a three touchdown game it was funny he caught his caught his third touchdown he was one two three uh it was it was a breakout party for, for Tory Horton last for, uh, last Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as a true freshman, you don't know what you're going to get, but uh, Tory has been a big playmaker. I mean, five touchdowns on the season right now through seven games, and uh, you know, he's just another one of those Jay Norvell specials. He just tends to find these guys who are 6'2", 6'3", and are, are fast that not a lot of other people want. I mean, his only 
FBS offer was from Nevada. And he obviously talked after the game about how Fresno State, uh, you know, didn't recruit him. Now, I wouldn't put that completely on uh, Kalen DeBoer. He's the head coach of Fresno State. He was hired one day before signing day. Uh, so it's not like he had a lot of time to try and flip uh, Tory Horton. But credit to Nevada for, you know, finding these kind of hidden gems, these Romeo Dubs, uh, Justin Lockhart, guys like that. And Nevada needed this second wide receiver to kind of step up. Uh, Elijah Cooks got hurt, obviously, early in the season. And they had been lacking that second wide receiver threat. Cole Turner's done a really good job in the slot. Um, but as Hawaii showed, you could just roll your defense to Romeo Dubs and say, okay, beat us with the other guys. And they weren't able to do that against Hawaii. And they were able to do that against Fresno State. So you have to give Tory Orton a ton of uh, you know credit uh, for as only an 18, 19-year-old being to make an impact uh, at the college level. And, uh, you know, he made by far the biggest play in the game for me, that 85-yard touchdown catch that basically cemented things for the Wolfpack. Um, so, yeah, it, it's uh, it's not a surprise just because uh, you kind of trust Jay Norvell with his wide receivers. He's done a really good job with that position. Now, speaking of Jay Norvell, here is the head coach of the Wolfpack with part of his interview from Wolfpack All Access talking about his freshman, Tory Horton. He's a great competitor and he's very intelligent. Uh, you know, I think that's one of the great qualities of – receivers that I've been around in my career is that really good receivers are they're very athletic they have an ability to adjust but they're very bright they're very intelligent and uh, you know Torrey's just gotten better every single day that he's been here I knew when I saw him practice and, and, and his focus and his attention to detail we knew he was going to be an excellent player here and he's just continued to get better and better he made his first start last week and um, and he he was really on point last night. You know, he's so long and his stride is so long that the people really don't understand how fast he's running. And and he's he's a really a legitimate deep threat for us. And and to have a deep threat away from Romeo that people have to pay attention to is just it just adds another weapon in our arsenal. You know, not to take away anything from Fresno when it comes to recruiting, but, you know, what did you see from him? I mean, what did your coaches see when they went down to Fresno and said, we got to have this kid? And, and maybe what didn't Fresno see even in their own backyard? Well, yeah, I mean, we heard we heard they didn't think he was fast enough. And uh, that's what he was told. Um, but we saw, you know, a kid from an athletic family. He has a brother that played corner at, at Boise. Really good player that played against us. Um and a uh, sister that plays uh, was a college athlete. And so the family is just an athletic family, great family. Parents uh, really are demanding on their kids. And uh, so he's just came in as tremendous work ethic and um, really attention to detail and, and has shown a lot of accountability for a freshman. You know, a lot of freshmen, uh, they just really, you know, they're young they're really not serious. The sense of urgency isn't there for them. And, um, but Tori's not like that at all. He's taken the responsibility of playing. He's used every snap that he's had and he's tried to be prepared and ready for his teammates. And he certainly was last night. So yeah, it will be Nevada and San Jose State uh, on, on Friday night. Just talk about a crazy way to wrap up the regular season in Vegas. Nevada has a chance to go three and oh this season in Las Vegas, 7 p.m. kickoff on CBS Sports Network. I mean, Chris, if somebody had ever come up to me and said, yeah, Nevada's going to go 3-0 in Vegas this year in football, I would have said that that's physically impossible. Yeah, you wouldn't have uh, you know, thought that for sure. It's just been a weird season, and credit to Nevada for getting all eight of its games 
uh, in this season and making sure that they've been healthy enough to do that. Hopefully they get the, the reward for it if they are um, to go out there and run on Friday. It'll be an interesting, if they do, and it'll be an interesting Saturday because the whole team, all the fans are going to have to wait until that Boise State game is played because the math is, is if Boise State would win against Wyoming on Saturday, Nevada goes into the Mountain West title game. If they were to lose Wyoming, uh, Nevada would be bumped out. So, uh, you know, I, while Nevada is playing on Friday, uh, there could also be a lot on the line Saturday as well uh, with Wolfpack fans rooting for Boise State, which doesn't happen all that often. But in this case, that would be the formula to get the Wolfpack to the next level. Well, then there's the odd scenario that, okay, if you go and play in the Mountain West Championship game, you may have to turn the loser may have to turn on and play six six days later. And the, you just, the bowls are, are just jumbled up. Right now, fans, players, coaches, administrators ought to just be happy they're getting to play in a bowl game and getting to play. What was your confidence level? I mean, if, if you scroll back three months, did you think that we would have gotten to this? Uh, not probably not. I mean, if you go back three months, we were playing a spring football season. So, uh, you know, I think the Mountain West took a lot of heat for changing their mind on that, but it, it's worked out. I mean, if you're trying to play in the spring now, uh, it's not looking great with where the numbers are. So, um, you know, it's it's a, a testament uh, for sure that everybody was able to get this in. Uh, you know, very thankfully, we haven't had any uh, tragedies at the college football level. Um, you know, we've had a lot of games canceled and, and things of that nature, which is fine. Um, but, you know, we haven't had, uh, I guess, the ultimate, uh, you know, worst case scenario with somebody getting really, really sick at the college level. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's worked out good enough. You know, I'm not 100% convinced that we should be playing athletics right now at the college level. Um, but it just shows you how important these student athletes are towards job uh, creation and revenue. That's why we're playing is because so many jobs and scholarships just rely on us playing football uh, and men's basketball specifically as the two revenue sports. So, um, you know, if anybody ever tells you, uh, you know, college student athletes are, you know, are getting a good deal by getting their scholarship, just show them the 2020s and, and how important it was to play games because if they're not playing, these schools are taking, you know, millions and millions of dollars worth of losses. So, um, you know, it's exceptionally important to be able to play these games just for the financial future of these colleges. And I understand why we're doing it. Um, and, you know, very thankfully, especially, uh, you know, across the nation, we haven't had uh, you know, the worst case scenario pop up. Yeah, we could do a six hour show on whether or not college student athletes should be compensated uh, in a different way, shape or form. But uh, this is only an hour long show. So we got to move along. Coming up next here on NSN David Wolfpack men's basketball with kind of an impromptu game at Lawler Event Center on Monday night. We'll show you what happened against William Jessup coming up next. Well, as the way of 2020 goes, uh, you have to kind of dodge up dip, dive, and dodge, and uh, kind of adapt and overcome. And Nevada did that when it came to uh, scheduling a game with uh, William Jessup, which is a, a private university right over the hill down in Rockland, California, between basically Auburn and, and Sacramento area. And Nevada wins uh, 86-64 at home. Uh, you know, Chris, credit to William Jessup in this one because, you know, talk about a team that has had to play road games like crazy, and uh, they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Nevada for a decent amount of time. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, a game that kind of just, uh, as you said, just came together at the last minute, the USF game on Sunday being canceled. And I think it was smart for Nevada to try and get in a game. I mean, they're allowed to play seven non-conference games and this young team needs that. And yeah, William Jessup definitely acquitted itself well. It fell to 0-5 on the season. But as you mentioned, all these games on the road, all these games against Division One opponents, and this is an NAIA school, they actually have a Carson High alum uh, Jaden DeJoseph, who led the team with 14 points on a 5 of 14 shooting. They hit uh, 10 threes, which kind of kept them within punching distance. Um, for a little comparison purposes, they did open the season against Fresno State, also in the Mountain West. Fresno State 
beat them by 20. So Nevada, or by 40, Nevada beating them by 22, almost half the amount. So, um, you know, you can look at it and say maybe it wasn't quite as impressive as you would have hoped against an NIA school. But, um, you know, I think it was just good for Nevada to get out there, kind of wipe away the taste of losing the USF before it goes down to Grand Canyon on Friday to play, you know, a pretty solid program out of the whack. So uh, a worthwhile game. Uh, Warren Washington played really well. Grant Sherfield played really well. Both of those guys set career highs in points and uh, Nevada will take the win. And obviously a much uh, more difficult test coming up later this week against the uh, antelopes yeah before we get into nevada on this one yeah Jaden joseph who was a great player at carson high school led that team to 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 great success when he was there he's a he's a junior uh six six down there um he went he hit he basically lit his team up in the second half hit two threes and then a deuce and then you know suddenly you know eight straight points by one guy and you know william jessup is kind of filling their oats at lower event center i love seeing so many of our young former Northern Nevada athletes who, you know, may not go Division One, and that's kind of a trend now you see on social media is that if you go to a junior college, you're a stud. If you go to a D three, you're a stud. Just to be able to play at that next level is such an accomplishment. So I really, really admire these uh, these young athletes that, oh, I didn't go D one. That doesn't matter. You got a chance to play in college and get some of your college paid for and play at that level. That's an accomplishment. So great to see uh, you know, Jaden DeJoseph on the lower floor. Uh, when it comes to Nevada, though, um, Grant Sherfield, once again, Sherfield with 20 points in this one, eight assists, six rebounds, three steals. Uh, what, once again, godsend. Grant Sherfield has been for this team, but uh, it's, it's kind of the same story over and over again is that, you know, he just comes out and fills up the stat sheet. Yeah, he's definitely so reliable on the Wolfpack. He's the one guy you can kind of pencil in for 15 points uh steve alford talked about he played with much better pace i think that's kind of been an issue in some games is as the point guard uh you know steve alford wants him playing really really fast getting this team into its offense getting him into transition not letting the opposition's defense set up and in some games he's done that in some games he hasn't uh, he was also complimentary of grant's leadership during uh this game which uh you know wasn't maybe at the highest level against usf uh, warren washington kind of stood out to me this is the seven footer from morgan state um he did say after that loss to usf that you know, I feel like I've been too unselfish. I feel like I should take more shots. And he said it because he thought he could make a bigger impact on the game than what he was doing early in the season. He did score a team high and career high 12 points against the, the Dons last uh, week. And then he came out and had 18 points in 18 minutes uh, in this game. Uh, and that was also a career high. Uh, added five rebounds, a block, and assist. Uh, he made seven to ten shots. So he was much more aggressive, obviously. William Jessup, not really a D1 level team in terms of size. Their roster tops out at six foot eight, but I think a more aggressive Warren Washington is a really good thing for Nevada. Nevada has a very good front court. Uh, you know, Warren Washington could just kind of, okay, I'm going to take my three or four shots and I'm going to play defense, but Nevada needs more out of him. Uh, this is an offense that is not great right now. Um, and he's a guy who's capable of giving the team, you know, 10 to 15 points a game. Uh, you look at the next game against Grand Canyon, they start a seven foot, 270 pound center and a six foot 10. 235 pound power forward. So you're going to get much more size that Warren Washington is going to be going against, but I'd like to see him continue to try and get up around 10 shots a game, try to impose his will on the other team, try and help out Grant Sherfield, obviously Desmond Cambridge, 
going through some things, trying to sort out his offense. So, uh, you know, that's the big thing for me moving forward is will Warren continue to play at the level we've seen the last two games? Uh, he said he wants to be more aggressive. He was in this game. Now that he's going to be going against bigger sized dudes, guys that, who look like him, will he continue to be that aggressive, try and get to the free throw line, something he's done really well this season? Um, you know, so that was the biggest takeaway for me was how Warren played. Uh, you kind of assume it from Grant at this point, and hopefully you get to a point with uh, Warren where you just assume he's going to give you 10 to 15. 15 points you don't have to worry about that and everybody else you can kind of try and get them into position to to make an impact as well yeah I think 10 to 12 shots at minimum for Warren Washington in the paint uh, it has to happen I mean he was able to granted this is not a division one power five school that he did it against but exert physicality and be physical down low and I, I didn't think Nevada showed their physicality and what they can do you know at times in this one but yeah if you can get 12 and 7 out of Warren Washington every single night. I mean, that fills up the stat card and that's, that's what you need to do. But uh, here are Steve Alford and Grant Sherfield after the win over William Jessup. Well, I think his experience last year at Wichita where playing about, I think every game, high level games, I think that's really helped him. Um, but tonight, for instance, you know, he has eight assists, no turnovers. Um, I thought he played at a much better pace than what he did against San Francisco. Um, and we obviously got to watch him because he's getting a lot of minutes and we played some games. We're not a, you know, I feel for some of the teams, Colorado State hadn't played a game. We got a lot of conference, you know, I don't think New Mexico's played a game. And now we've played five. So it's, it's something that we got to watch him with minutes and that kind of thing. But I thought his pace today and his leadership was much, much better. Yeah, you know, again, uh, like him and Dez, uh, they haven't played for over 600 days. And so we know that's going to take some time. I thought um, Warren was really good tonight. He drew, not only did he score, but he drew five fouls. And, you know, that's an important stat. And, you know, we didn't shoot the free throw particularly well. I think we're in the 90s if we make our foul shots. Um, but we got to the line, and that's something that we've been working towards offensively. I thought this was the best we've been offensively as far as our flow, as far as um, our discipline of making the right play and not turning the ball over. And even on shots we missed, I thought we got good looks. So that, that's encouraging. I just thought um, maybe the flip of that, we gave up some things defensively we just can't do. But Warren was really good tonight. So on tonight was just uh, trying to get better each and every night because, you know, our game versus San Fran got canceled. So we just kind of used this as a, a game just so that we can really get better. And uh, Justin played a really good game. So. So Nevada heads out onto the road Friday night. Our own Alex Margulies will be on the play-by-play -play call of this one on the radio side for you on 94.5 FM, 6 p.m. tip at Grand Canyon. And Chris, do you think this juggles the starting lineup once again? We, uh, I mean, starting lineups are starting lineups. I've never mm -hmm. been all that crazy about, oh, somebody's starting or somebody's not. I've never been that blown away by it. But, um, and KJ Hines, nice haircut. You got a haircut. I need to know where you went because I need one. But do you see any changes when it comes to, Rotation? Uh, yeah, I think Trey Coleman will start in the starting lineup again. So he subbed in for Kane Milling, and then they put Zane Meeks in for KJ Himes. KJ did have a death in the family, so it may have been uh, something to do with that, maybe a little bit more than, uh, you know, trying to shake up that starting lineup. But Trey Coleman deserves to start. Yeah, he's a freshman, but he's averaging, you know, six points per game. He's shooting still around 80% from the field. He has more assists and turnovers, top three on the team in steals and blocks. Like, this is a guy who does a lot of different things for your team. Uh, he's shooting the three ball really well. So I think he deserves to be in that starting lineup. In terms of Zane Meeks or KJ Himes, I like Zane playing with Warren Washington because Zane can stretch you out to the three-point line, which gives you some room for Warren Washington to work down low and you 
can't really double off Zane uh, to try and slow Warren down. Now, KJ can shoot threes, but not like Zane. So I like those two playing together. If you look at the minutes that they played yesterday, all four of those guys who I mentioned, the guys who were subbed out of the starting lineup and the guys who went into it, they played the exact same number of minutes they usually do. So you can overrate the starting lineup a little bit, but I think this will probably stick. And more than anything, I think Trey Coleman deserves to continue to get more and more minutes. I mean, he's already averaging 23 minutes per game, which is a lot for a freshman, but I wouldn't be shocked if he gets up to 30 by the end of the year, because clearly the, the coaching staff, trust him and what he's done on the, the court. I mean, they should trust him because he's playing really, really well. But uh, Nevada has a lot of options. As I mentioned, Grand Canyon is a big team. So maybe they go back to KJ to try and match up with that size in this specific game. And then if you're playing a smaller team moving forward, you could throw Zane out there. Um, you know, I, this is going to change, I think, a number of times throughout the season uh, as Nevada tries to find its best rotation and who fits together best on the court. Ice Coleman, man. Trey Coleman has ice in his veins. He's not overwhelmed by the situation. He's not overwhelmed by, by any scenario. He played his high school basketball in Indiana where they get tens of thousands of people show up to a high school game. He is going to be an all-conference player by the time he's done at Nevada. I really think he's going to be an all-conference player somewhere down the line. I really like what I'm seeing so far out of Trey Coleman. But it will be Nevada at Grand Canyon on Friday night down in Arizona. 6 p.m. tip-off if you want to listen to it. Our own Alex Margulies will be on the play-by-play call from Arizona. 6 p.m. will be tip-off on ESPN Radio 94.5 FM. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, it was a great Monday night football game between the Bills and the 49ers. The Bills look like they could beat anybody right now. Can I convince Chris that they are Super Bowl contenders? That's next. We had a Monday doubleheader uh, before we get to the Niners and the Bills. Uh, down go the Steelers and the uh, Dolphins, 16-0 team. They're popping the bottles again. Chris, did you see this coming that the uh, Washington football team was, were going to be able to knock off the mighty Steelers? Uh, I wouldn't have guessed that team in specific. I mean, it's been awesome to watch Alex Smith be able to actually play this year. I mean, this guy almost had to amputate his leg a couple of years ago after a horrific uh, on-field injury, and now he's back leading a playoff team, upsetting an uh, unbeaten team. Uh, the Steelers were not a perfect team. I mean, there were some issues with this team. They can't run the ball that well. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's fine, but he's not what he used to be. The defense is still really, really good. So um, it makes a lot of sense that they would lose their perfect season before the playoffs. I didn't think that it would happen against Washington, but um, you know, uh, the, the football team is currently in the playoffs. So they're a playoff caliber team. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's really cool just for me to see Alex Smith play like this. Um, because of what he's been through. And if you watch the E60 special on him, yeah, they were literally ready to cut his leg off, uh, let alone uh, getting back out on a football field again. And he obviously took a big gash to his leg in this game. It was the not the, the leg that he had the surgery on, but um, for him to be out there, comeback player of the year easily, it's been awesome. Yeah, I, I, watching that game, I'm like, wow, this guy coming from where he's come from to where he's been to losing his job in San Francisco and then overcoming the adversity – um, I wish he was a little nicer in person to reporters. He's not got the greatest reputation of celebrity golf tournament, but that's, that's uh, aside from the point. But uh, yeah, I mean, when they talk about a comeback story, I mean, yeah, they, they can make a movie about this guy when it comes to what happened. Monday night football last night, Bills and 49ers. Niners were just trying to stay with the Bills because, I mean, the game started so oddly with two fourth down stops and then the Bills fumbled the football. Niners score at the end of one, it's seven, nothing. And then the Bills just rattle off 17 straight and uh, really just kind of kept San Francisco at arm's length the rest of the way. Um, Josh Allen, I mean, what can you say? 32 of 40. He was a surgeon, 375 and four touchdowns. 
Yeah, I mean, he played well, and uh, you, your tease kind of coming into the segment was, are they championship contenders? And I think they are. Uh, you know, not so much necessarily about what they've done, but just I, as I mentioned, I don't think the Steelers – I think the Steelers have some weaknesses. I think the Kansas City Chiefs have some weaknesses. Obviously, the Bills have some weaknesses, but, you know, their losses have been to the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Titans. Uh, you know, those aren't horrible uh, teams. You know, those are those are tough teams. So, um, you know, they haven't lost to a bad team so far this season. Uh, they do a lot of good things. They have a good balance. And I think when Josh is playing as, as well as he can, they're very dangerous on offense. So um, it, it's they're in that mix for sure. I wouldn't put them in the top tier, but uh, they're a very capable team. I think they're one of the five or six best teams in the NFL. Unfortunately for the 49ers, that loss was a huge dent uh, to their playoff hopes, but they've been doing this with duct tape for a long, long time. At some point, it's all going to rip apart. Uh, Brandon Ayuk did come off the COVID list and scored a touchdown. Uh, he had another one kind of go off his hands. It was a tough catch that turned into an interception, but he's having a good rookie season. Uh, you know, I think the 49ers are looking at a lot of great things in the future with him. Um, but yeah, it just seems like they're going to run out of gas this year, just based on all of the injuries that they've had to deal with. I mean, it's 17 guys on, on IR just last night. I mean, you're talking about their probably top three or four players are out. And I mean, when you lose guys like Obosa, who is arguably one of the best defenders, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, he literally creates havoc. It's something that the Niners couldn't do is they couldn't put pressure on Josh Allen last night. When they did, Allen forced to roll out. Granted, that's one of the scary times is that you think you got Josh Allen right where you want him. He rolls out to his right, and he throws a dart to his receiver on the sideline. Cole Beals Beasley was everywhere last night. But when you're talking about the 49ers, George Kittle's out. I mean, you got that's an all-pro tight end. Jimmy Garoppolo, your franchise quarterback, is out. If you told me, okay, well, Nick Mullins is going to lead you against the Bills, I don't know, well, we're toast. So it's not going to happen. I mean, there are moments when I really see a lot of great stuff out of Nick Mullins. And people don't realize he threw for the third most – uh, passing yards as a rookie in his first whatever X amount of starts. Uh, they had a graphic up last night, and I didn't realize. I was like, wow, what? I, when did that happen? Because mm -hmm. he, 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 he performs, and you don't even notice it. You know, but if, how tough has it been for you as a Bills fan who, you know, Bills fans have taken their lumps over the years. How tough is it for you to kind of go, we are that good. We are a top five team in the NFL. Yeah, it's definitely hard to believe. Uh, and I, like you said, I wasn't fully sold in on Josh Allen. I wanted the Bills to uh, draw, uh, draft Josh Rosen in that spot. And obviously, that would have been really, really bad because his career petered out completely. Now, he was put into a pretty bad situation a couple of times. But um, yeah, it is kind of hard to believe. But it just shows you the value of, uh, you know, having good drafts. I mean, that's how this team has been built back up. Uh, is they've had a ton of really good uh, drafts. Uh, Tredavious White, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Uh, Trumaine Edwards, a really, really good linebacker. They obviously hit on their quarterback position. And then they made a really smart uh, trade getting Stephon Diggs. I mean, you mentioned Cole Beasley, uh, Josh Brown as well. Um, they've really surrounded Josh Allen with some good uh, skill position players, and that's elevated his game using the first-round draft pick to go out and get Stephon Diggs, who's one of the best wide receivers in the the NFL. So they've done a good job. Obviously the 49ers have done a, a very similar thing, rebuilding their franchise back up a little bit easier to believe with them because they've had so much success over the years, but now they face a big question. What do you do with Jimmy Garoppolo moving forward? I mean, he's going to be one of the higher paid uh, quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, a lot of the rest of his deal is not guaranteed. So you could probably move on if you wanted to and try and find a better solution at that position uh, as a 49ers fan. I mean, and what would you do? Would you uh, want to give Jimmy another year? Would you like to try and move on and then try and see if you can find something else out there? Uh, Nick Mullins is a solid backup, but I don't think he's the starter long-term. I guess, where would you like to see the future of the 49ers at quarterback? I'm thinking moving on. Uh, to me, Garoppolo, 
And I mean, granted, I step back and I look at, you know, literally his whole pattern of work and go, he just hasn't played that many games, you know, but I saw throws last night that Nick Mullins was making that Garoppolo would not. Um, I think Garoppolo crumbles in the pocket. I don't think that he, he has the nerve to take a hit in the pocket when he, he'll get the throw. Like, like Mullins got a throw off across the middle last night and got crushed, got up, ran up first down. Let's go. That's one of those ones where Garoppolo would have would have folded. And I've seen it too often. I think the Niners pulled the trigger on paying him 120 something million way too early. And for me, if I'm San Francisco, I'm probably looking at, at moving on. But I don't make those decisions that guys like John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan do. Uh, San Francisco now gets Washington next on the docket. Your Bills get the Steelers. Uh, <laughs> where are your thoughts there? Well, we'll see if they're a championship caliber team. Uh, that's obviously a team you're going to have to go through if you want to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, pretty clearly it's the Chiefs and the Steelers or one, two in whatever order you want. Then you have the Browns, you have the Bills, you got the Colts, you got the Titans, you got the, uh, you know, a, a number of teams, the Dolphins and the Raiders are all kind of jostling for that number three team. So if Bills go out there and they get that win. Uh, I think they could say, okay, we're at least at the top of tier two, if not maybe in tier one. So uh, a good matchup and a good test for what they might have to see in the playoffs. All right, coming up next here on NSN Daily, Tuesday night football on our sister station, Fox 11. We'll tell you who you're going to see tonight on the air. Uh, yet from the category of only in 2020, we have Tuesday night football for you tonight on our sister station, Fox 11. The Cowboys and the Ravens. Cowboys are just kind of playing for pride right now and trying to figure out what's next for them after losing Dak and, and everything that's happened there. But the Ravens, no, Chris, uh, the Ravens are one of those teams that can jump up and bite anybody any week, I think. Yeah, I mean, they were the AFC uh, in the regular season last year, and right now they'd be outside of the playoffs. Their MVP, Lamar Jackson, obviously not as good this season and then had COVID-19 and had to miss the last game. He will be eligible to play in this game. Uh, they need this win. I mean, they need to finish the season strong, probably something like four and one to be able to get into the playoffs. And, um, you know, they need Lamar Jackson to play like an MVP. Obviously some of the pieces around him have kind of fallen apart, but that's what you do. If you're an MVP quarterback, you uh, put the team on your shoulders, you play really, really well. Uh, you win games that you have to win and you get your team into the playoffs. So, um, you know, huge game for them. Uh, the Cowboys kind of just salting away the, uh, the rest of the season. They've uh, had a rough, one since Dak got hurt uh, you know they got Andy Dalton out there and he's a serviceable quarterback but the defense isn't what it should be so uh, you know I think this is a huge game for the Ravens if they want to make the playoffs this is one that you can't afford to lose if you're Jerry Jones I mean you have to just be shaking your head at yourself I mean because I mean they pride themselves of calling themselves America's team they throw so much money at this franchise they're living in this palace of a stadium they did their draft from Jones's yacht for crying out loud. I mean, I mean, there's just so much, it's almost, they almost try and treat themselves as football's royalty. Yet this is where they're sitting right now at, at three and eight, their star quarterback who, you know, people have talked about, Oh, you need to pay Dak. You need to pay Dak. If you're Jerry Jones, I, I mean, how do you live with this? 
Yeah, I mean, it's got to be tough. I mean, if they win this game, they're only a game behind the Giants and the football team. So it's not unrealistic that they can make the playoffs. But I mean, if whoever wins out of the NFC East is going to get blasted in the first round. So that's, as you mentioned, that's uh, that's not really, uh, you know, pertain- uh, pertinent to this discussion because this is a team that should be in the playoffs every year. And they just have not lived up to expectations since they had that great year. And Dak replaced Tony Romo halfway through the year and they stuck with Dak into the playoffs and they couldn't use that great offensive line, those great uh, skill position players that they had at the time to be able to make a run. And really, it's been since they fired Jimmy Johnson. I know they won a Super Bowl with uh, Barry Switzer, but uh, maybe a lesson for Jerry Jones. Like his ego was so big that he wanted to prove that he was the reason for the success and it wasn't Jimmy Johnson. You see that in the NFL a lot. Uh, You saw Bill Belichick and Tom Brady split and largely because they both wanted to prove they were the reason for the success. And uh, a lot of times it just doesn't work out when you have a great partnership, ride it. And since he ended that great partnership by, uh, you know, getting rid of Jimmy Johnson, it just hasn't been the same in Dallas. They've had some decent teams. They've had some playoff caliber teams, but um, they haven't won a lot of playoff games. So, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, he probably rused that decision to some degree that he let that great partnership slip away. Um, But at this stage, uh, they just need to get Dak back and healthy i mean he suffered a really really bad injury as well uh as long as he's out there i mean he's an mvp caliber quarterback he's really really good they're gonna have to pay him big money soon enough um but they've got some good pieces on that team they shouldn't have paid ezekiel elliott what they did you never pay running backs that much and they're gonna uh, regret that decision but um you know it's still a pretty talented roster and jerry jones has a huge hand in what the roster looks like Obviously, they made the coaching change going to Mike McCarthy, and that didn't really work out so far, but they've been so hit by injuries. I don't think he can pull a lot from this season. I think he should be given a second season and, uh, you know, see what he can do with the healthy Dak Prescott moving forward. When you look at the NFL's hierarchy over the years, and you think of teams of the century, teams of the decade, teams of the whatever, you think of the Cowboys, you think of the 49ers, you think of the Steelers, the Bears at one time, Packers. The NFL needs the Cowboys to be good, doesn't it, Chris? I mean, you're talking about one of the broadest fan bases in in, in America. It's like the NFL would benefit if the Raiders were good. Oh, it's a, it's definitely a marquee franchise. It's the most valuable franchise in all of American sports. Um, you know, it's right up there with the Yankees in terms of nationwide appeal. They by far have the biggest fan base in America. So, yeah, the NFL would prefer for the Cowboys to be good. That's going to juice ratings. That's going to juice excitement. Um, it's just hard to be really good in football for a long period of time. You've seen the Steelers go through lulls. You've seen the 49ers go through lulls. Um, the Patriots and what they've did the last two decades is unmatched, that kind of success. That's unrealistic for other teams to be able to match. Um, but, you know, we're going on 15 years since Jimmy Johnson was fired, uh, you know, 20 years really, and they haven't had that kind of success. So at some point, you got to look at the owner, you got to look at the, the people making the decision in the general manager seat, which is him, and say, does that need to change? And, uh, you know, he's never going to fire himself. Uh, and he's done a great job marketing the team for sure and building that uh, spectacular stadium that hosts so many great events, um, you know, beyond just his team. Uh, but something is amiss with that franchise. They should be better than they've been over the last two decades. This century, they have not been as good as they should be. Um, and it, it, it always starts at the top. And when they were winning, it started at the top. And it was because of, because of Jerry Jones. And he would have said that. And now that they haven't been winning, it has to start at the top. And it has to be, uh, be because of Jerry Jones. And, uh, you know, he's going to have to change some things to be able to get the Cowboys back to the expectation and the standard that that organization has had. Cowboys, Ravens, Fox 11, our sister station. Uh, pre-game at 4 p.m. kickoff shortly after 5. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, we've got some new sports for the 2021 Tokyo Summer Games. We'll break that down next.
Well, COVID threw a wrench into the uh, 2020 games in Tokyo, but uh, the spirits are high that the 2021 games will go on. I don't know how much my spirits are high that they're going to happen, but uh, hey, we had an NBA season, we had a hockey season, maybe just do it in a different way, lock these people away and uh, you know, televise it from a distance with no fans. But uh, it has been, uh, it is official now, Chris, that breakdancing will be joining other new wave sports in the Olympics, including skateboarding, surfing, and climbing, which will make their Olympic debuts at the Tokyo Games in 2021. Breakdancing. I mean, I know, I remember ballroom dancing was an Olympic sport for, for a while, and I kind of snickered at that. But, uh, you know, this is just thinking in a different, different way, right? Yeah, uh, I don't mind it. I don't really like sports where the judges determine who wins. I like it when there's like an actual score or if it's like a, you know, 100 meters. A time or a point. Yeah, it's obvious who won. Uh, you know, you get into the diving and you get into some of the figure skating. And it's just very controversial about, you know, what, why you're getting this specific score. So I think ballroom dancing or break dancing in this case, uh, I see controversy ahead. There's going to be a lot of arguments about who ended up winning. Surfing is a little bit the same, but I don't mind these new sports. I mean, you don't have to watch them. So uh, the more medals you can hand out, the better. Uh, I watch Dancing with the Stars on occasion, so I don't mind a good dance every now and again. I don't always agree with those judges as well. I feel like the last two seasons, they've really messed up. So, see, I'm already getting passionate about it. So, <laughs> fans, then you might as well make it an Olympic event. When it, when it comes to appealing to the younger audience, this is kind of how sports are having to do it. You see baseball putting timers on pitchers. You're seeing, you know, they want to speed it up. They want to quicken it up. Um, you literally, uh, that, that's kind of how sports have to think now is to a generation that, you know, gets all their information through their phones and, and, and just has a much shorter attention span. Yeah, and I think it will connect to a different uh group of people i think millennials are into dancing you know surfing is cool skateboarding is cool so you're getting into a younger crowd so that's a big plus for the olympics uh maybe you do get people a little bit more involved hopefully we're not voting for who wins uh, in the olympics if you're of our phone i would draw the line there but uh you know you want to modernize the games a little bit i'm sure when uh, some sports were introduced in the early 1900s uh you know people in greece were maybe not happy about them like oh we're doing uh, baseball now what is this um, but you know, it, I'm cool with it. The more sports, the better. I love the Olympics and I hope we get to see it this, uh, this upcoming year in 2021. I know Jenna, who is uh, a former college softball player directing this show behind the scenes. Uh, Jenna, if you want to unmute for a second, your okay. thoughts on softball not being in the Olympics anymore. You know, the only fight they really have is that there's no competition for the USA. So I can't really complain there. You know, softball and baseball is America's sport, in my opinion. So, you know, when there's no competition around the world, I can kind of see where they come from. However, I still think it takes, I think it deserves to be in the um, Olympics for sure. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Jennifer, your insight. The second air guitar gets in, I'm out. I'm <laughs> dropping it. I'm not a part of it anymore. We'll be right back with some final thoughts here on NSN Daily right after this. That's going to do it for us here on NSN Daily. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we do have the Cowboys and the Ravens on our sister station, Fox 11 tonight. Chris, we've got about 20 seconds left in the show. Who you got? I'll take the Cowboys with the nine points. I think the Ravens will win outright, but you give me double digits almost, and I'll take it. Ooh, that's tough. I mean, uh, you know what? I'm going to say Ravens, but they don't cover. I will agree with you on that, so we'll, we'll share a virtual beer if we end up winning. That's a <laughs> Four o'clock pregame on our sister station, Fox 11. For Jenna Holland and Chris Murray, I'm Brian Samudio. We'll see you next time.